Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. So precious, we'll drop everything to find that one pearl. And Jesus said, if you have faith the size even of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. From the tiniest, tiniest seeds of our faith, even when we waver or have lost our way, even from this will grow the kingdom of God. And when you give food to the hungry or drink to the thirsty or visit those in prison or welcome the stranger, I tell you, even if you have done it for the least of these, you have done it for me. Yes, the Christ is within us, within each and every one of us. Dear ones, we live with a vision, a vision of the kingdom of God, a vision of the beloved community of God. And today and every day, we are somewhere between this day and the world where it is and this future, the world God would have it be, some part of that vision that we have. Now, this is not a logical or reasonable way to live. All right, I thought you were going to laugh, but um, <laughs> so much for that. Um, I think this is an alternative way of living. And speaking of the prophets of yore and the prophets of day, today, scholar Walter Brueggemann said that the task of prophetic ministry is to nurture, nourish, and evoke a consciousness and perception alternative to the consciousness and perception of the dominant culture around us. To evoke an alternative community that is centered in God's love, in God's mercy, and God's justice. It is good. It is passion-filled work. It can also be really hard, and it can be pretty messy sometimes because we often have to make it up as we go. And I think that that's what we've been doing for low unto nearly 150 years. St. Columbus Episcopal Church is an inclusive Christian community of all ages that welcomes one and all, encourages spiritual curiosity, celebrates children and youth, and embraces the world in the spirit of God's justice and love. That is our stated and affirmed purpose for being. Our mission is to live God's love. And we continue to move toward our priorities of strengthening community 
practicing faith, becoming anti-racist, embracing our world, and building capacity. Since the first seeds of this congregation were planted on this hillside, that's what we've been striving to do. We've been adapting, changing, responding to the world and the needs around us and within us as we seek to live God's love. And I just want to say, having been away from you for a number of months this summer, it is so good and joyful for me to be back with you and to be engaged in this ministry. I am just feeling so excited. If you were with us for the 9 o'clock or anticipate being with us for the 11.15, the 9 o'clock was packed and it's filled with all these little people, and the 11.15 is going to be packed with all the rest of us, and it's just, um, this is good stuff. Um, in the last, in the intervening months since I last addressed the congregation, which was last spring, the vestry and the staff have affirmed that even as we seek those five priorities that have been the guiding light for us, that we focus especially on connecting and engaging, connect and engage, and that's in response to us coming in varied ways out of or through or wherever we are in relation to the pandemic or as we are entering this place perhaps recently. Um, and, and all of what we've been up to in the intervening months is guided through those lens of how can we connect with one another, perhaps for the first time, perhaps in new ways, and engage and nurture relationships. And I'm going to say a little bit about um, some of the highlights of where we are in our ministry, um, and I'm going to provide ample room for your questions or comments or concerns and hopes. As I'm speaking and as you're thinking about your place in the life of this congregation, I invite you to think about what step it is that God might be inviting you that would help you get more connected or engaged in the life of this community and ministry. The staff and I, we're paying as much attention as we can and looking for ways to invite and help you do that. Um, and it needs you to raise your hand and say, I'm going to try this. I'm going to leap in. Literally everything we do in this community is open to you. One thing is if you want to get on the street, then we have to elect you. Beyond that, just raise your hand and you are in. Like today, you're in. Um, so, uh, I have it in my notes that I'm going to tell you a bunch about stewardship, but I know from having been at the earlier services that you're going to hear a bunch about stewardship. So I'm going to keep it short and brief, which is to say, I invite you to make a pledge. And I invite you to make a pledge that exceeds your wildest dreams. Because if you do, it will be good for your soul and your heart, and you will expand in your sense of gratitude and generosity. And if you do, it will enable us to continue to flourish and grow and expand in our capacity to carry out ministry together.
So I commend that to you. I will say that I also commend to you, if you haven't done it recently, um, that you use, take a look at the little chart that's in the flyer that I'm not asking you to look at it right now, but it's a, a thing on proportional giving. And I commend that to you because I commend to you um, striving to tithe, which is to give 10% of your income. And depending upon where you are, that number may feel very close at hand or it may feel unimaginable. Um, but if you do it step by step over a period of time, I promise you, you can get there. That's been my life's journey, and I'm grateful for it, and I commend it to you. So, join us in that. Um, ministry updates, and I'm going to do a, as I've done before, I'm going to do a whirlwind tour and uh, just touch on a whole bunch of things, and if I skip something that is near and dear to you, forgive me. Um, please take your opportunity afterwards to use the mic to bring that to our attention. And if I just go skipping across the surface of something and you want to hear more about it, please raise your hand and ask about that. The big news this fall, I think, well, there are two things. One is Wednesday night supper. Uh, this was designed and planned uh, while I was away. I'm so grateful to our staff for thinking that through. If you haven't tried it out yet, come. It's fabulous. This past evening, I'm told we had 150 folks. Um, folks are coming from every part of our congregation. There are young families with little children, and there are folks that have been part of this parish for decades and decades, and we have visitors, guests from our neighbors across the way at Friendship Terrace, and we have guests from our water ministry, and all are there, and there's great food and conversation, and that's what it's all about. So come and uh, join us for Wednesday evening suppers. The other big news is Sunday morning, and here we are, and I will tell you that as someone that's been seeking to steer us through these last couple of years and in conversation with my colleagues around the country who are steering churches uh, in the last couple of years through the pandemic, we have no idea what the world is looking like next, and um, I'm just glad we're here to do it together. Um, the choirs are in full swing, acolytes are starting fresh. Um, there are 75, last count I heard is there were 75 children uh, registered and participating in base camp, which is the, the, the younger age programming, and we're having to look, as we used to have to look, for new spaces for our youth to gather, probably even right now as I'm speaking, because there's not enough room in the building to house everyone, and that is a glorious problem to be trying to solve. Um, in September, for those of you that like numbers, uh, since September 11th, uh, we have had on average 400 of us worshiping in person and another 140 worshiping with us online each Sunday. Um, that 140 online is a decrease from a steady number that we had all through the summer of 175. Um, as we look into that, we're imagining that that's because some 35 or so folks decided they'd come back and join us in person. Um, and I will say that we're paying a lot of attention to that online worshiping community because 135, 140, that's a lot larger than the average Episcopal church in this country. Uh, so 
Those of you who are with us online, we see you. We, we're with you, we know you're here, and we're uh, eager to respond and engage. Um, a, a little thing as I'm on worship, notice if you haven't yet, uh, this morning in the narthex, a beautiful illumination on the wall painted by parishioner Bob Erskine and framed spectacularly to hide the electric panel. It's just great. Thank you, Bob. Um, we have, uh, this is our last Sunday uh, when we're observing the season of creation, and we will then move into a season, this is a pilot for us, of uh, observing year W, and year W is um, uh, prepared with womanist readings of Scripture, and we'll be carrying that on for six weeks. Stay tuned, join us in coming Sundays, and we'll see how that goes. I already told you about children. Let's see, youth. Um, our seminarian, Mitchell Felton, is leading the way with our youth on Sunday mornings. He's glorious and uh, gifted and charismatic. And our Charlotte Hart and the Youth Council, uh, thank you to Charlotte and thank you to others of you who are part of the Youth Council, are shaping and designing things for youth to do uh, that aren't just on Sunday mornings. The nursery school is at capacity. Um, if you hadn't heard, we grew the attendance at the nursery school during the pandemic, uh, so it's now 100 children here every day um, on the first floor and outside. 20% uh, of whom those spots are reserved for children with learning differences. Pastorally, um, we're widening the circle for participation in our caregiver support group, uh, many of whom are parishioners who have a spouse or family member who's struggling with uh, ailments at home, many of them uh, struggling with dementia. We're looking to launch the hosting of a circle for parents loving children who are transitioning or coming out or looking at issues in their own lives about gender and sexual identity that we may be uh, offer the support of one another as parents uh, and youth navigate those uncharted waters and to do so in the company and the clearly explicit company of the love of God. We are training additional new Stephen ministers. Stephen ministers are, uh, some of you are Stephen ministers, some of you have received the benefits. They are individuals in this congregation who have undergone substantial training in pastoral care and are visiting with fellow parishioners in times of need. And we're restarting the healing ministry rite that takes place on Sundays. We used to do it every Sunday. Um, if that's a calling for you to participate in, that's one of those things you can step up and we'll do it more. Um, we're working on anti-racism. A group is uh, working with others in the diocese. Uh, I was one of many yesterday who joined uh, at the bishop's invitation. Uh, congregations around the diocese are uh, taking a look at understanding the theological and moral and practical implications of exploring reparations and what that could mean for us as congregations and as a diocese. Uh, did I say earlier that uh, sometimes this ministry is hard and challenging? It is. Um, this is one of the ways in which many of us are not of one heart or mind about what is the best way forward. And I will also say that there is little that is more 
um, engaging and heartening than to get into those challenging conversations. And uh, we have a team that's going to be hosting those conversations for us as a congregation in the spring of 23. Um, outreach and justice work. Um, we continue to be deeply involved in Washington Interfaith Network, um, which is a, uh, a multi-faith organization across the city, um, and in particular uh, with uh, housing justice issues here in Ward 3 and how we can be uh, partnering with others to advocate for affordable housing in this uh, ward, which has the least uh, number of affordable units for housing. Um, we're also working with them. There's a new initiative coming out of uh, Washington Interfaith Network, WIN, uh, with the acronym of BETH, uh, which is Black Equity Through Home Ownership. And our loan, um, uh, we were told it was a grant, but really it's a loan, through something called FBDI. It's the Faith-Based Development Initiative. A number of us participated in a very invigorating conversation with them last week. Uh, we were gathered with uh, 16 other churches around the city that are exploring um, how they can support affordable housing initiatives. And I will tell you that these are folks, whether they're choosing to go forward or not choosing to go forward, um, these are folks that have been faithful and attentive and working hard at wrestling with these issues. And these are just some of the issues that the staff is wrestling with, your vestry is going to be wrestling with, um, we're going to be looking at these and a host of other issues as we seek to chart a path forward for us um, that is both true to our calling and true to our identity um, as, uh, as St. Columbus. Uh, many of you have been working to prepare lunches for Friendship Place. Um, which supports many who are homeless in this area. We've had uh, 40 snack bags provided to those experiencing homelessness twice a week for the last two years. The water ministry, thank you, water ministry, has a uh, steady uh, flow of about 14 guests each day with about 30 of you uh, receiving and welcoming them. And uh, many of you are involved in our refugee response ministry, uh, supporting uh, three families who have moved here from Afghanistan, and many of you have raised your hand to explore how it is that we can provide respite. Uh, that's the term being used by uh, the mayor's office uh, for those who have uh, recently crossed borders and to, into Texas or other states uh, but suddenly find themselves here in the District of Columbia, and how can we help that? Um, as reported last spring, our master planning committee is continuing to explore opportunities all in service to those five priorities um, and with an eye toward long-term sustainability and future adaptability. And uh, they are preparing their uh, report and conversation with us uh, in a couple of weeks' time. So I'm going to hold off on saying too much about that except to say that the general areas of focus are around 
um, improving accessibility and hospitality, looking at our signs, our lighted, our way to get in uh, from all aspects of the property, uh, to look at what we need to do to improve um, internal spaces for programming, whether that's uh, the choirs or our youth ministry uh, overflowing at the moment, uh, or water ministry, as well as some of the mechanical updates um, with restrooms or stairwells or kitchens and so on. Um, we are looking at um, how affordable housing fits into our work. We're looking at how our commitment to being anti-racist fits into our work. And I think I covered those bases. Um, and I'll wrap up in just a moment uh, to say that um, staff. Um, with Amy's departure, uh, Joshua's responsibilities have taken a shift. Uh, this is something that he and I discussed and uh, discussed with the staff as well, uh, given his gifts and interest. And uh, Joshua is going to move over to support and lead the family ministries and to see to education from uh, youngest to oldest all through the generations and he's going to be um, uh, helping our connect and engage out into the broader community. If you know Joshua, you know that he loves to strike up a conversation. He'll strike up a conversation with anyone, anywhere, anytime, and he does it all the time. And so let's use that and have him be not only doing that internally, but externally. And so the person we're seeking now to hire as a new associate uh, would be responsible for a big piece that Joshua has been responsible for, which is the design and, and leadership and execution of all of our worship ministry. I'm very pleased that the Reverend Dr. Sheila McJilton is going to join us. Um, technically, she begins today, but she already had a commitment for today, so she'll be with us uh, as of tomorrow. Uh, Sheila recently retired as the uh, the rector of St. Philip's in Laurel, Maryland, and comes with gifts and ability and experience, so she's ready to drop into the system and roll, and she's here in an interim capacity, and we are underway with the search. So, um, connect, engage. What are your hopes, concerns, questions about St. Columba's? Please, Molly, thank you. You can come to the mic or, yeah. I know that there's usually a little bit of a wait. People wait for people to get up, so I thought I would just get us started. Um, so two things, I'm Nicole. The first is you mentioned, and I'm aware of so many initiatives that are going on at Columbus, and I, like probably many people, want to do all of them, but I, like all people, have limited time. Which of these ministries are in particular need? all, certain ones, especially for more bodies, or? Um, so, Nicole, that's a great question. Uh, it, it probably depends on, you could probably ask all the other people in this room, and they'd all say, well, the one that I'm working with. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
I know that um, because you're already here on a Sunday morning and are often here on a Sunday morning, there are lots of ways that uh, getting involved on Sunday would be great, um, whether that's ushering or lecturing or administering a chalice um, or singing. Um, then I would also say it depends upon what your own particular either availability or passions are around. If there's, um, uh, I invite, so, um, uh, the Presbyterian pastor Frederick Beekner defined vocation as where our gifts meet the world's great needs. And so I don't know if there's something that you feel like you already have gifts in that you would like to strengthen or if there's something that you feel like you don't have gifts in, these under-exercised muscles. Um, I, I know that there's always room to work with children and youth or designing formation series. Um, uh, our treasurers here, I'll bet there's room on the finance committee if that is something that would get you excited, uh, or the stewardship committee, our chair of the property committees here. Thank you, John, for the extraordinary work overseeing the development of the labyrinth uh, and the front corner. Let's um, hold on, Nicole. Thank you, John. John, would you stand up? I'm not being specific, Nicole. Is there a particular ministry you want to know about? Because no, I'll bet the person is, is here. That is okay. I was more curious about just narrowing it down and just hearing. Yeah, so, I didn't do that, did I? No, that's okay, though. Um, and I very much think about my own time and energy in terms of where my gifts can be of best use according to vocation. This, last, uh, this next one is not so much a question. I'm so thrilled Joshua is moving into that new role. I also love his sermons. So if every once in a while we could still hear from him, Oh, he's going to, yes, yes, yes. Cool. So with the worship, it doesn't mean that now Joshua is banned from worship. Um, it's, it's that, um, so all the, all the ordained people on the staff participate in the worship, but someone um, is, is the little man behind the curtain that's figuring out how all the hoopla goes on. And uh, Joshua, uh, with a host of others, has been doing that. And someone else is now going to get to do that. That person doesn't yet know. Um, I just wanted to respond to Nicole's question. Um, I co-chair the Environment Committee, and <laughs> we are looking for um, additional people. And I would say the membership is aging. So we're really looking, and it's, a, it's a, an issue for children and youth, young families. Um, so just to bring it to the fore. Um, I just heard from a vestry member sitting up front who said, even though I said that everything's open except for the vestry, you have to be elected, um, I think the nominating committee would love to nominate you to serve on the vestry, Nicole. So you raise your hand. Be, be, be careful. Um, are there nominating committee members here? Yeah, okay. Molly, Nicole. Nicole, Molly. Just in response to Nicole's question, I would say um, really, really um, pay attention. I mean, I think people do, but um, the, the weekly e-news on Thursday, I know as the ministry leader of the refugee response ministry, we've worked really carefully with the communications team and had amazing response from staff on the communication teams in terms of getting opportunities out to the parish for 
one-time engagement with the people we're working with, but also ongoing efforts. And sometimes people do one thing and it makes like a huge difference in the life of um, the refugee families that we're sponsoring. Hi, Ludley, Jean Hoff. Um, so how's everything going with the budget? And in particular, are you finding the overall expenditures on staff are kind of stable? I know there's been a lot of flux and some new positions that feels like the staff is going on, you know, all cylinders to me, which is great. Thank you, Jean. Um, stay tuned uh, and come back in uh, six weeks' time for the annual parish meeting when the treasurer will be presenting a full update on the finances uh, of, of how we are and will be telling us about the what I imagine to be clean audit that we will have received um, in advance of that annual meeting. Maybe I shouldn't say it already because the auditors haven't finished their work, but um, uh, uh, the staff is working on all cylinders. We have, um, we have staffed up some uh, during the pandemic, and part of that is to respond to the, uh, the presence of uh, the engagement of, of the members of the congregation and others online um, so that we can continue to engage both in person and online. Um, and um, overall, uh, things are looking good financially would be the way I would summarize is that I'm getting a nod from the treasurer, so um, uh, stay tuned, come back. Ah, okay, um, you, here, Tim. <laughs> Molly's got a microphone. <laughs> I, I will give a, a, a full report, but I will just underscore, I guess, two points. One is, during the pandemic, this church did not sit back, it did not wait to see what happens in the pandemic and what will we do next. We reached out, we expanded, we went more online, more live streaming, we rebuilt you know, the nave, and now we're back both in person and online, and that has increased our expenses. And so we're dependent on the pledge drive. We have a $3.4 million budget, 75% of that comes from pledges. The rest is kind of contributions of other kinds, mostly. And there's about 550 families who pledge. We hope we can get more. You can do the math. The pledge drive is critical. We depend on the people in this room to do all the things we do. So please, as was said earlier, consider increasing your pledge if you can. Thank you. Um, hello, um, my name is Marilyn Montgomery. Been a member here a long time, uh, and this may be through my own ignorance and not keeping up with things. But what is the current uh, uh, situation with the forum? Are we still planning wonderful lectures and speakers who come? I'm, as I said, forgive me. I'm just not a, if I'm not informed. 
Yes, you said with the forum. Yes, we are. Uh, it is uh, mapped out for the better part of the coming um, program year, and we have some very exciting uh, guests lined up. I know that uh, next week, um, uh, members of our youth will be uh, welcoming the principal of what was um, Woodrow Wilson High School and is now Jackson Reed. No, I'm uh, sorry, Joshua. Walt Whitman. Walt Whitman. Yeah, him too. Um, <laughs> oh, it's from Whitman. Okay, so it's not a. I, sorry, I misread it. It's the it's the principal from Whitman is coming. Um, and Joshua, they're going to be anyway. Yes, Marilyn. The forums, for the most part, take place here. Once upon a time, as you will recall, uh, we had the forums in the Great Hall. Um, we made that shift a few years ago so that the the Great Hall We Worship folk could continue to have space and we can use it for youth programming, which we're going to be shifting over there and we can do our forums in here. And this allows us with the camera to also um, be doing the forums with folks who are online. I'll just say real quickly, Marilyn, hi. Um, Molly and I uh, do a lot of the forums with lots of other people. Um, something put on your calendar since so there's so many people here. Um, uh, Jim Wallace is going to be here the last uh, Sunday in October. Jim um, led uh, Sojourners for a long time, the magazine, and is now at Georgetown doing their faith in action. Um, and it's going to be here to both preach and do the forum. So uh, lots of stuff uh, coming up. Thanks for the question. And I will also just say, while Ledley is correct, that we have quite a lot of programming. If you ever have an idea of someone who you would love to see, please reach out. We are always um, in the market for new and exciting um, things that people would like to hear about or folks they'd like to hear from. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the labyrinth, the beautiful labyrinth pro project out there? Uh, yes, I can. Let's see, I'm looking to see, is Susie Kinderwater or Elizabeth Vaden? They're, they're not in the room at the moment. Um, so. Labyrinths are an ancient form of, of meditative prayer uh, found in some of the uh, oldie, oldest and grandest uh, European cathedrals. I don't know how early the first ones date to. Um, we're going to have a little sign uh, that will be placed out there uh, that uh, gives you some guidelines for how you prepare yourself to walk it. But I will say that all it really requires, John, is that you, if you go down to the labyrinth, um, you will see that on the pathway there's a way, place where it's clearly the entry point. And just um, walk it quietly. Um, it will lead you on a, a, a seemingly meandering path that ultimately leads you all around and through the labyrinth and into the center. You're welcome to stay in the center for a few moments if you wish and then walk it back out. And it is a form of what I would say walking meditation. The very act of just watching your pace uh, lets you let other things, other worries or concerns around you uh, drop away. I commend it to you. Um, and the way this is set up, um, it is open to, we're, we're going to encourage the, the neighborhood 
uh, to avail themselves of it at all times. Um, in fact, one of the things that I, I should share with you that one of the things I'd love to do uh, is that every Tuesday morning, I spend half an hour on the street corner of 42nd and Albemarle. I have found the 30 minutes. It would surprise you if you're only here on Sundays, but for 30 minutes every school day, weekday morning, this intersection is just teeming with people as families are and kids are coming to go to the Janney School or the Deal School or over to Jackson Reed or they're heading to the Metro or they're coming from the Metro. And I stand out there on the street corner with my stole on and a sign that says, let's ask the priest at the corner. And I have just amazing conversations um, with people out there. And uh, just this last Tuesday, as uh, we watched people doing the construction on the corner, a woman dropped her child off at Janney, and then she came back and she said, I can't believe how beautiful this is. What a great gift St. Columbus has just given to this neighborhood. Um, and I thought, okay, that's just music to my ears. I will tell you one more story since I'm on it has nothing to do with the labyrinth, is that another mom, this was a couple of weeks ago, came and she said, um, I gotta tell you that my son um, was on the playground over at Janney and he found what was clearly, he deduced was a treasure map on the ground and he picked up the treasure map and he looked at it and he studied it and he realized that the map had to do with St. Columbus. So she and her son came and they walked all around the property and they had figured out that the treasure must be buried in the columbarium in the wall behind the fountain. And she said, can you tell me what's behind that wall? Because we're ready with the jackhammers to start digging. And I fudged it a little bit, because I imagined that the, the, the kitchen and the great hall was there. And I said, that's where we serve meals, um, both as we gather as a congregation and for our guests that come for the water ministry. Um, so far, they haven't gotten out the jackhammer, but um, I love the fact that that's what somebody is imagining is buried in there. Okay. Um. Maybe with the, um, the few minutes uh, remaining, if you would um, reflect for a moment as to where in your life in the last week or two you've sensed the presence of God, either as a feeling of being held and known, seen and loved, or as a feeling of longing, perhaps you didn't feel that love, but you yearned for it, and that yearning came from a place within you that knows that God is near, that God is with you. Just reflect on that for a minute, 
anything you can about where and how you've experienced the love of God in your life in the last week or two. And if you would, share that with somebody nearby you on the pew. Let us live God's love this day and always. Amen.